0: Our scripture text today comes from the gospel of Matthew, and I'll be reading in chapter 13. And I'll be reading verses, I'll just read the whole thing. I was going to parcel it out, but I'll just read the whole chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. So get comfortable. It's a longer one. That day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But then the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to one. Another case, a yield of 60 to one. And in another case, a yield of 30 to one. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. There you go. Oh, I guess we do have it mixed up up there. Okay, never mind. We're skipping to chat verse 18. Consider the parable of the farmer. Whenever the people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown on the path. As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully. Because they have no roots, they last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke out the word, and it bears no fruit. As for what is planted on good soil, this refers to those who hear and understand and bear fruit and produce, in one case a yield of 100 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 30 to 1. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we are taking a little bit of a break from Romans today. Uh, If you're really wanting that good Romans Pauline stuff, come back next week. We'll be there again next week. But this week, we're going to take a little bit of a detour to the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Our text today uh, begins with Jesus going and just hanging out on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Not sure why Jesus chose this particular day to hang out on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, We're not really told. Um, I'm a detail guy, so there's lots of times in my life where I just want this gospel writer to tell me what Jesus was thinking and why. We know that Jesus often went away to pray. We know that Jesus often went into the wilderness to be alone, to commune with God, to spend time with God, to to sort of deal with God one-on-one, away from the crowds, away from the towns, away from things. So, so maybe today was just a change of scenery. I don't know. Um, sometimes it's fun to go up into the mountains to seek God. Sometimes it's fun. I, if it were me, I could sit on the shores of a lake for hours and hours and hours and just stare. In fact, last Sunday afternoon, I drove out to Willow Grove, sat in my car, and watched the water. For an hour. Maybe that's what Jesus is doing. Maybe Jesus is going out to prepare because he knows what's going to be happening today. Maybe Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go out and teach today. And today it's going to be on the shore. I, I don't know. We don't know why. But we know that Jesus is there on the shores, the, the rocky shores of the Sea of Galilee. And, and as he's sitting there, as he's doing his thing, the crowds begin to gather. Right? The crowds gather on the seashore and they have come to hear him teach. And again, I don't know if it's like he just starts teaching and then people come and more and more and more and more and more, or or if people are just coming because they have an appointment and, and all of a sudden it's just too many for Jesus to handle. But we know that, that what happens, the seashore gets crowded and crowded and crowded people so much so that, that Jesus is standing there and, and at least as I see it in my mind, right, he's there trying to teach and, and the people are pressing in and he's just getting further and further and further into the water. Right? Again, in my mind, Jesus, all of a sudden, he kind of, he's been teaching and he stops and he looks down and he's like up to his waist in the Sea of Galilee going, this won't do. So Jesus spies a boat out there in the Sea of Galilee, right? It's, it's a fishing town. Assuming he's in Capernaum or that area of Capernaum, uh, there's lots of fishing boats all around, right? And so he sees this boat that's kind of pulled out onto the shore and, and he, he hops in it and has his disciples kind of push it out a little bit into the sea and, and he begins to teach, From the boat. But Matthew tells us that he begins to teach the people in many parables. We know that Jesus often taught in parables. We are very, very familiar with Jesus' parables. Um, But but today's parable is interesting, uh, at least as Jesus teaches it, in the fact that Jesus gives no preamble to the parable, at least not that it's recorded. So so think about this. If We we know that Jesus has been teaching and, and we know that he's been talking to the people and he just launches into the story. Now, other parables, he might say the kingdom of God is like, you might be familiar with those parables, right? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is planted, it grows into a bush and the birds of the air alight in it. We know that other parables, as he's talking about them, we, 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 we know that, that he's getting to a point and he makes a point, right? Once a man had two sons. The younger son came to his father and says, Father, give me a share of your inheritance, right? And we hear the story and we, we understand and begin to understand something about God because of the story, because of how Jesus explains it. Who is my neighbor, Jesus was asked one time, and he tells a parable, Right? But this one is interesting because Jesus gives no preamble and there's no real explanation to the crowds when he gives it. Did you notice that when we read the text? So Jesus just starts. So so imagine I'm up here teaching and I just start talking about farming. Um, Most of you know me well enough to know that I don't know anything about farming. We have people in this building who do, so you should ask them, but I don't know anything about farming. But... But just imagine that I got up here and I just started telling a story with no preamble, with no text, and just started telling you this story. A farmer went out to sow seed in his field. Okay, it's a good start. Nice agrarian, right, message. People from Galilee would get that. I mean, there are fields all around the seas of Galilee, right? So they know farming. They understand, right? Okay, Jesus, we're tracking with you. Farmer went out to sow seed in his field. And as he was sowing, he sowed seed, and some fell on the path. And the birds of the air, they came and ate it. Okay, good story. That happens. I don't know farming. Perhaps people are familiar with this. Perhaps they're asking questions. If the farmer is careful with his seed, why is it getting on the path? I mean, we're not talking like he's not using a spreader. He's using his hands, right? He should be more careful. And some of the seed fell on rocky soil and, and the, 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 the the seed quickly sprouted and came up, but because it had no roots, it also quickly died when the sun came out The, the sun scorched the seedlings and it died okay rocky soil that happens it 's kind of an image we have. well, some fell among thorns and, and and when the when the seed grew up and the thorns grew up with it, the thorns choked out the seeds, and they didn 't produce any fruit okay. Has Jesus said anything right now that we are unfamiliar with that doesn't make sense? If you hadn't have heard this parable before and its explanation, would you have any idea what Jesus is talking about other than farming? I mean, it's good farming. It's a farming story, but we're not entirely sure what it means. Of course, then Jesus says, well, and then the farmer, obviously, hopefully there's good soil. He, he, he sows seed on good soil, and, and guess what? The seed roots deeply, and it comes up, and, and some of the seeds produce 100-fold, some of them 60-fold, and some of them 30-fold. End of story, moving on. And Jesus moves on. All he says is this, the one who has an ear, let them hear. And then he's off. At least we have it recorded That's all that Jesus says about this parable to this point. That's all that he says to the crowds. They're gathered on the shore, hearing from him. And Jesus has given this parable and they're like, and maybe they made a connection. I don't know. But as I read this parable, I've read a lot of parables. I read the scriptures quite a bit. When I read this one without any sort of other interpretive guides, I go, I don't know that I would have known what that meant. I mean, it's a good farming story. Perhaps it is well-known farming knowledge. I don't know. I wasn't a first century farmer and I'm not a 21st century farmer. I don't know what the yields are to normal. I mean, we could probably ask Regan. He might be able to tell us what the yields are, but, but I don't know what the yields are for a seed of grain. Is 60 a lot? Is 100 a lot? Is 30 to be expected? I don't know. I also don't know if farmers are really, really careful with where they plant their seed or if they're not. Maybe I should have asked Regan before I preached this sermon, but, but I read this story and I go, this is a farmer who's going out and he's just like seed, 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 seed everywhere and, and not even looking or caring where it goes. If this is well-known knowledge, why would you put seed on a path? If you know there's a path there, if I'm walking on the path, guess where I'm not sowing seed, at least not intentionally, on the path. If I'm walking through rocks, where am I not going to sow the seed? In the rocks. If there's thorns growing, where am I not going to throw the seed? In the thorns. So as I read this, as I read the first part of this particular passage of Scripture, these are my reactions. They're not particularly theological reactions. They're just like, this seems like an interesting and silly story. In in fact, as I read this, I long for Jesus to interpret it for me. And I wonder why Jesus spoke in this way. I have the benefit of being able to read the next few verses, but I still wonder, Jesus, what, what are we trying to accomplish with this? If he says the kingdom of God is like, that gives me some ground to work with in this parable, but he doesn't say that. Matthew doesn't record that. He just says, a farmer went out to sow seed. Strange. And Jesus ends it by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Or the one who has ears, let them hear. If you are willing to listen, listen. And that's it. That's it for this particular passage. That's it for this. We we don't know. There's nothing else that happens. At least not yet, not immediately. And if you're confused... Maybe you're not, but I'm confused a little bit if I read this without anything else. Then we're not alone because the disciples actually asked Jesus the same question. Jesus, what are you talking about? Why do you speak in parables? Again, some of Jesus' parables, he tells the people he's teaching the answer or he gives them a clue as to how their mind might go in thinking about how this relates to the kingdom of God. How is a mustard seed like a kingdom? How is a mustard seed growing like the kingdom of God? How is... How is yeast like the kingdom of God working its way in the world, right? It gives us at least some ideas for creative thought, but this one, not so much. And so his disciples are actually confused too. That's the verses that we left out of the reading are Jesus' disciples going, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Because it doesn't make sense. If you want people to know, speak plainly and Jesus begins to tell them about, about having ears they do not hear and having eyes they do not see and, and that, that some will hear and some won't and, and gives this idea that, that he's sort of building on the idea of this, he who has ears, the one who has ears, let them hear. Parables are for those who are listening. At least that's what it sounds like to me, what Jesus says. And it turns out that this particular parable is about those who are listening or not. Because ultimately, Jesus' disciples want him to tell them about what he's talking about. Jesus, what do you mean? What are you talking about here? Jesus, what does this parable mean for us or for anyone? And for that matter, why has this particular parable been passed down through the last 2,000 years to come to us as we read it in our scriptures today? Scriptures aren't simply a historical record. They are there for a reason. So if we are to have hears, what are we to hear from this parable, And so Jesus sits down with his disciples and begins to teach them about what this particular parable means. Very few parables have this one-on-one kind of explanation. So we get, I won't say we get lucky, but we get blessed as Jesus begins to explain the parable to his disciples. And so he sits them down and he says, it's a parable about the kingdom of God. Not surprising, lots of parables are about the kingdom of God. He says this particular one, the seed is the good news of the kingdom of God, right? We need to understand that that the good news of the kingdom of God is not simply the announcement of a gospel. Not simply the announcement that God is coming to save God's people. Or for us on this side of the crucifixion resurrection, the good news of the kingdom of God is not simply that Jesus has died and risen again. Now, that is the foundation of our gospel, and that is good news in and of itself. But when Jesus talks about the good news of the kingdom, what he is talking about is not simply words proclaimed, not just you are are forgiven of your sins and will go to heaven. That's great good news, okay? Don't get me wrong. But the gospel for Jesus and for the church as it should be is much more holistic than that. Yes, Jesus has died and risen again. The kingdom of God is in our midst, but that means that the world is changing in ways that demonstrate and show God's presence and God's work and activity in the world. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near and he demonstrated it through his actions and activities. We've talked about this before, right? When John says, are you the one who has to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus says, go and say what you have seen and what you have heard, right? Heard the announcement of the kingdom of God, but seen the blind see, the dead are raised, sick are healed. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. The captives are going free, right? So it's this world made new. The idea of the kingdom of God coming for the people of Israel and ultimately for the world is that it's a world transformed into the image of God's kingdom. With the announcement that forgiveness of sins is possible. But that God is making all things new in and through that announcement. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. Very broad, very holistic, very big, and very grand vision. One, quite frankly, that ought to excite us a great deal. The world made new. The world made right. The world turned right side up, if you will the people of God, being the people of God, blessing the world because of the great salvation we have received, right? This is the good news of the kingdom of God. That was an aside, but that's what Jesus is talking about, that this kind of movement of God in creation to make all things right. And so Jesus says, this is the seed. It's this proclaiming, this announcement. And it is just that. The seed is just that. It's an announcement because it wasn't here yet. It wasn't there yet. The kingdom of God was in the midst in Christ, and it remains in the midst in Christ and His death and resurrection. It's not here in its fullness yet. It remains just a seed. So the seeds are the announcement and this proclamation that the good news is on its way. The kingdom of God is here and is coming. And so Jesus begins to explain the parable. It says the seed on the path is basically those who hear the word and just don't understand it. They're confused by it. There's no soil. There's no preparation. There's nothing for the seed to germinate in or to root in or to produce fruit in. And since they're not ready, since they cannot hear or will not hear, the seed does nothing. It is just snatched away. I've known some people like that. I've been like that at points in my life, unable to hear. And then Jesus says, the second type of seed, the one that falls in the rocky ground is, is a seed that falls. And, and because it is in soil, it, it roots quickly and it sprouts quickly. We've seen this people you've seen this. I'm sure it sprouts quickly, but there are no roots. There's no depth there. It, it, it's not fed by anything. It's, it's, it's a receiving of the good news because it's good. It's great news. This kingdom of God and, and they receive it with joy. But, but, but sometimes being a person of the kingdom, coming up against the kingdoms of the world and the, the ways of the world around us, it causes tension. It causes persecution. And for in some people, if there is not deeply rootedness, Rooted in scripture, rooted in community, rooted in Christ. It grows quickly, but the persecution that comes, the opposition that comes because you have taken a different tack, the way of the kingdom, it falls away quickly. And then Jesus says there's a third type of seed that, that falls among the thorny places. Says, so this, is, this is the person who receives it and, and sprouts and grows. But, but the things of this world, the cares of this world, the pulls of this world, the, the desires of this world, the desires of the things that the world values choke it out. Because the values of the kingdom of God are different from the values of the kingdoms of the world. The kings of the world desire money and power and wealth, influence. The kingdom of God is different kingdom of God is love and joy and peace and submission to one another and submission to Christ and and the values of these kingdoms are different from one another. But the values of the world are tempting. The trials of the world are sometimes hard. When its car breaks down, it's hard not to think about money. When the stock market crashed, it's hard not to think about our 401k. He says, and ultimately, the cares of the world, the desire for money, the lure of wealth and power and influence eventually choke out the seed of the gospel and it cannot bear fruit. Of course, then Jesus says there's a third group, or a fourth, fourth group. The fourth group receives and hears with joy. And the seed sprouts and it bears fruit. In somebody 100, and somebody 30, and somebody 60. But it bears fruit. It multiplies. It's a good story, and it's a pretty good parable, but what does it mean for us? Again, I, I believe these things things that that God has inspired and that have been preserved by by the will of God and the power of the spirit throughout our history are here not just for our information but our transformation what are we to understand how are we to take away from this is Jesus telling us to be good soil I mean I think maybe that's there but that doesn't seem to be the point of the parable at least not as Jesus tells it here we should be good soil We should be deeply rooted. But I'm not sure that's necessarily what Jesus is getting at here. What I think Jesus is getting at here is not so much about the ground and telling us how to be good ground. I mean, we should be good ground. But I don't think that's what Jesus is going for here. I I think the point of this parable and the The focus of this parable, as we should in every parable, should be on Jesus. What part does he play? How might we be more like him through this? And in this one in particular, now while Jesus doesn't say, the son of man is the sower, we get that impression. For he has come and he has announced the good news of the kingdom of God. We see him throughout his life, throughout his ministry, spreading seed. Every interaction Jesus has that is recorded in scripture is Jesus planting seed, is it not? And in every interaction Jesus has throughout scripture that we read, that we hear about, we see this kind of thing at work. We can identify this in people that Jesus speaks to. Sometimes Jesus speaks, he announces the kingdom of God to them. They have heard it, but they don't understand it. It is so far beyond anything they are willing to consider. They aren't willing to give it a hearing and it bears no fruit. It's snatched away like that because they are unwilling to hear. For some, we see that it sprouts quickly. Think about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I I do to follow you? And what does Jesus say? Go and sell all you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And we're told (laughs) that the man went away sad for he had great wealth. Sounds an awfully like the cares of the world choking out the seed of the gospel. It sprung up. We can read about in church history and in scripture about those who received the gospel with joy. It sprouted up, but when persecution came, they fled. There's a fascinating story in the gospel of Mark in the garden. We call it the story of the naked man. Right? Jesus is in the garden. He gets arrested. Things go crazy. And it says that one of his disciples ran away After someone grabbed his clothes, he ran away naked. The naked man received it with joy, but when persecution came, when things got pressed, he ran away. So what does this tell us about the sower? Jesus never stopped sowing seed. Notice that? Very rarely did Jesus enter an interaction with somebody and prejudge how they would hear. Now, oftentimes he had a good idea. He would go to the Pharisees and he knew how that would happen, how that would turn out. But I don't think Jesus gives us this particular parable in order to say, okay, you need to identify the types of soil out there and you need to just not spread seed where it won't take root. I don't believe for a second that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. I don't think Jesus is trying to get us to identify the soil of the people around us. Right? Don't go there, they won't hear it. Don't go there, they won't be ready. Don't go there, it's thorny. I don't think Jesus is saying that at all. Because the farmer went out to sow seed, and some of it fell on the path, and some of it fell on the thorns, and some of it fell on rocky, and other of it fell in good soil. Jesus goes and he spreads the seed wastefully, you might say. A A good prudent farmer would say, yeah, I don't want to sow it on the path because it won't germinate. But Jesus just, the the, the picture I have in my mind is Jesus going out and just throwing everywhere. Seed, seed, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere we go. And and, and honestly, that is a wonderful vision for me of Jesus Christ. Because he's going out and he just, he's telling about the kingdom. It doesn't matter. He's not willing to prejudge how it'll land. He's just going to throw it out everywhere. This is the abundant, overflowing, super abundant grace of God that we read about in Paul. A seed is just thrown everywhere. Grace overflowing, grace everywhere. To those who are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The parable of the sower for me as I read it, and as I came to it this time, it's about a sower who said, guess what? I'm sowing it everywhere because I don't know. I don't know how it'll land. There have been people who have responded to the gospel that I know and I have seen that I would have never expected. Thousand years, I would have said rocky ground where I would have said path. And yet they heard and it bore fruit. There are people who I thought it would bear fruit immediately, who quickly fell away. Point is, for me, we're not real good at identifying soil, at least not before the seed grows. And I don't think Jesus calls us to be soil identifiers, if we were sowing actual grain, that would be a good thing. But we are sowing seeds of the kingdom of God. And we don't know what the soil looks like. Because we're not the one who prepares it. Now we do all we can to disciple, to love, to care, to show grace. But it's the spirit who is working and preparing in ways that we don't know and that we cannot see. So I believe firmly with all that I am that the point of this parable and maybe I'm saying more about me than it, but is that we are just to sow indiscriminately. For we are terrible judges of the kind of soil that people are, at least as it relates to this text. We don't know what the spirit's been doing and we don't know who is ready. And we're not the ones ultimately in charge of the fruit. That's the spirit's job. We have been given the seeds of the kingdom of God. To each and every one of you has been entrusted that message. That's why you're here. You you wouldn't be here if God wasn't doing something like that in you. You have heard the gospel. You've been given seed. What are we going to do with it? I can tell you with 100% certainty that if it stays in our pocket it will not grow it cannot produce fruit I've seen seeds grow in places I would have never thought We we see dandelions in cracks on the street we see trees growing out of the side of what seems like a rock it can grow so many places and we don't know what ground God has prepared but I do know this that it won't grow if it's in our pocket it's in our bag if it stays in the barn keep that agrarian image going on 100% it won't grow but we have been given seeds we have been given the message of the kingdom of God and part of our job as individuals and as the church community here and wherever it's gathered is to be sowers of that seed Now, we can sow seeds with one another. That's great. That's good. We should. But the fields are out there, outside of this room. They're in grocery stores and in neighborhoods. They're in gas stations and national parks. They're in the halls of government. They're in the police department. They're everywhere. The fields are everywhere. And we are called to be a people who are sowing seeds in the fields everywhere we go. That's what it seems to me. When I read the parable, it's just like the, the, the farmer's just like, I'm whatever. I'm, I'm in the middle of the city. I'm going to sow seed, right? Like, it's what, like in my mind, that's how I visualize it. Just wherever. Just tossing it out there. You never know. And we are called to be people who sow seeds of the kingdom. Now, this this comes in word, right? We are called to proclaim with our words that Jesus Christ has died and risen again and comes to make all things new, offers forgiveness of sins and salvation in his name, that is good news. That is a seed of the kingdom. But remember, it's not limited to that. It's living in ways that demonstrate it's true. If we proclaim that God has given release, we ought to act in that way. If we proclaim that God has said, this is the way, walk ye in it, we should walk in it and demonstrate by our words and our actions that we serve King Jesus and we are members of the kingdom of God. When you walk out of this room, you might look up above the kitchen and see some of our mission and vision statements up there. We are called to be a people who make Christ-like disciples in the nations, proclaiming the kingdom of God and the salvation in Jesus' name. We are called to be a people who live generously in ways that demonstrate through our actions that Jesus is Lord and the kingdom of God is here. We are called to go and sow indiscriminately the good news of God's kingdom. Because we never know what kind of ground it's falling on. But we know that if we sow, it will bear fruit. One of the purposes that we are doing our Tuesday night study, by the way, is to help us understand what are some ways in which we not only speak the kingdom, but demonstrate the kingdom. It's a little teaser trailer for you. For the kingdom of God is in our midst. It's not just coming. It is coming in its fullness. Don't get me wrong. But it's in our midst. And God is doing it in us that we might demonstrate to those around us that the kingdom of God is here. That there is salvation in Jesus' name. And that God is reconciling all things to God's own self. The creator is embracing creation. We might be renewed in his name. That is the message we have. And that is the seeds we sow. In word, in deed, in big ways and in small ways. That the kingdom of God might bear fruit as the spirit grows it in others. In some fifty, in some thirty, in some a hundredfold, God will bring the fruit if we would sow it. As we go, I'd just like to take some time to sing a final song, and the worship team is going to come back up. And, and I've, from what I remember, we, we chose this song because of a particular lyric: "Fill us up and send us out." Fill us up and send us out. We are a people who have been given the seeds of the kingdom. We must remember that as we leave here, it is God breathing us out into the world that we might sow the seeds of God's kingdom and proclaim the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ.